Teachers, I know you're juggling a lot on your plate this year with face-to-face, COVID, and just the regular rigmarole of the year. By now, you're exhausted. Every Teacher Every Day is a nonprofit organization that wants to make the juggling smoother for teachers with its new website available at zero cost. With a searchable database of free lesson plans and resources, Every Teacher Every Day provides a diverse community of wise and witty educators to engage with. We believe teachers shouldn't have to pay for their resources and that a well-resourced teacher will lead to stronger students. I love the idea behind this website. It's practical with heart and humor and the best part, it's totally free. Join the community now by going to www.everyteachereveryday.kinf.org forward slash educators dash room. Again, here's the website, guys. HTTPS forward slash everyteachereveryday.kinf.org forward slash educators room. Welcome to the Teacher Self-Care Podcast, a space focused on telling real stories around teacher self-care and how to be your best self, both inside and outside the classroom. I'm your host, Francesca Warren, and I'm the founder of the Teacher Self-Care Conference. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Teacher Self-Care Podcast. I'm your host, Francesca Warren, and today we have Miss Georgette Green-Hotnett and Chandra Joseph-Lissette. Hey, ladies, how are you guys? Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, you guys are coming from Maryland and Massachusetts. Um, so before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Georgette Green Hodnett, and I am an instructional resource teacher in Southern Maryland. I have been in education, first in higher education and K through 12 for over 30 years combined. Um, my content area is math, and so I support teachers at a middle school uh, with instruction and teaching and all that good stuff. And I'm excited to be here. Right, and I, we always like to talk about the fact that we've, we're living parallel lives. I'm Chandra Joseph Lissette. I am in Boston, Massachusetts. I too started in higher education and then moved on to K to 12. I am actually a coach of teachers across the district, across all disciplines. Um, I coach new teachers and aspiring teachers. So very excited to be here today. Welcome, ladies. And here's the crazy part, because we're only, I I don't think they say six degrees of separation. I was an instructional coach, um, and then I managed instructional coaches in Atlanta um, for several years. So coaching is hard. Coaching is hard. People don't realize that. I remember thinking I was going to leave the classroom, be a coach, and life would be good. That first week being a coach, I think I had lost like five pounds. I was like 10,000 steps a day. I remember going home and just like sweaty, like, oh my God, this is a lot of work. So kudos to both of you ladies. So we are, I I would love to say we are on the outs of COVID-19, but our cousins, our folks, um, everybody, your folks, look, (laughs) Um, you know, We're not doing right um, as a nation, and we seem to be back where we started um, when we got out of school in March 2020, right? And it's actually a very sad fact. And with, you know, thousands, hundreds and thousands of educators who have passed, um, talk to us about how COVID-19 has changed the landscape of teacher empowerment and teacher self-care. That is excellent. And yeah, you're right. Our cousins um, ain't doing right. Um, and you know, here we are, 
right? And so I think the one of the biggest challenges is that the unknown still remains unknown. Right. There are just so many variables we can't account for and we don't account for and haven't accounted for in education. Right. Even just over the past year and a half that COVID has been here. And so as educators, we stand here about to walk into or some of us already into right this new academic year and still just kind of figuring it out as we go along. Um, and one of the biggest challenges for teachers, and I say this all the time, is that loads of conversations are happening about education, are happening about families, are happening about students. And that's absolutely right. But there aren't a whole lot of conversations about teachers and what this means for teachers as people, right, um, and teachers as educators. Um, and so many people have forgotten that, you know, teachers are actually people too. We have families. We have fears. We are in the middle of this pandemic. And as my G likes to say all the time, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but this is our first pandemic. So we just try to figure things out as we go along with very, very little guidance. And so that is, to me, one of the biggest challenges is that there's so much unknown um, and very little guidance. And it changes constantly. So teachers are doing the pivot shift, pivot shift every five seconds, right? In the classroom, out of the classroom, we're hybrid, we're in person, we're doing it all at the same time and poof, make it happen and make it great um, on a whole different level than where it used to be. Uh, and it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's scary, right? At the same time that people are, you know, battling everything that's going on with them personally, they're also trying to take care of their students and their families. And it is exhausting. It is hard. Um, and we have to support one another. Um, and so that's what I think about kind of where we are right now. We're kind of almost in a really similar place that we were in in March 2020 in lots of different ways. I would say that aside from this being our first pandemic, most of us who are still in the system, um, I would also say that we always have been trying to make it happen. And so in March, in April, and even going into the start of uh, this school year, teachers are kind of coming back with that same spirit that they had before. I can make it happen. But it's even more important now and we use our voices and we say more than just that I need a wireless keyboard. I need people to pay attention to the fact that I am navigating new systems. I am navigating new territory. I am dealing with my personal family and the challenges, the financial, the social, socioeconomic issues that still plague our country, social justice. There is just so much that are up against our educators that we have to open our mouths and communicate what we need and what we want and what we are able to do. I think far too long teachers have just been so used to making it happen that we haven't necessarily used our voice, our mighty voice to communicate in some of those areas. And we know our unions are there and we know that there are advocacy groups out there, but we're saying on a day to day, saying to that school administrator, saying to that person, that colleague, you know, I need a minute, you know, I need you to understand that this is a challenge right now. You know, I'm concerned about my own children getting on the bus this morning to go to school. And so I would say navigating this uh, pandemic, navigating all that is new, we are not back. There will never be a normal like we had before. And we need to realize and open our mouths about that as well. 
I love all of that because our parent company, um, the Educators Room, we've said this for about eight years. Teachers are the experts in education. And until teachers get a voice, nothing will change. Right. And what we see is that, you know, these edu celebrities are like saying these things and they become sound bites and they become cute things to put on Instagram or Twitter. So you get followers, but it's not being followed up through. And those conversations aren't happening at the very basic level with the day to day teacher who's scared of their administrator or the day to day teacher who has been written up. And so you have these edu celebrities who use this as a platform, but in reality, they're not really they're not really living that life and other teachers aren't living that life. And so, you know, I think COVID-19 exposed what we already knew um, that there were lots of districts in this country who were speaking technology and sending people to conferences, but weren't doing anything with it. I think this, it exposed a lot of what teachers have to deal with. I think it exposed a lot of just things that we knew as teachers. You know, I haven't been in the classroom in seven years, um, but I still work in education. But when I go in classes, I tell teachers, you got to speak up. You're a professional. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I believe this in that you can speak up and your, your immediate supervisor will not care for it. I mean, that's always a possibility. But you got to speak up because it's the right thing to do. Because Absolutely. if you don't, we will continue to have this bullying, intimidation, just overall, just, I don't even know a word to call it, just destruction of the education field, Um, which I'm glad that I got two women like yourselves here who have all this experience, who are black women, who are saying, time on the field, flag on the play, this is not what we do. Because for eight years ago, I think we were the only, I know we were the only website dedicated to saying this. And I was the only woman of color saying it. Now that we've we've also broken off into the teacher self-care conference, I've tried to make it a point where it's not the same people who are saying the message, right? There has been a tendency in education for them to listen to, um, not listen to teachers of color the powers to be. And so I've been very intentional of putting women of color, people of color, um, people who don't fit the mold in saying these messages because we are drowning and these edu celebrities and all these other folks, they are, they're making it worse. And I know I went off on a tangent, so I'm gonna let you guys respond. (laughs) But you know, you're right. And I think that when you speak of people of color, there's fear. I remember a colleague saying to me, um, they asked me a question, and when I answered, and she said, oh, well, I could see how you could get away with that because you've been in the county a long time. And I was like, huh? She was like, yeah, you're not like us. And I was like, I was like, you know, troubled by that. What does that mean? But what I think she was saying is, I guess, you down now with the good old boys, so they'll listen to you. But that's not, that's not acceptable. And it also comes a point where Chandra and I, probably in the inside say, why would people listen to us? But there's also that part in us that we say, no one else is saying anything. And if we know we're doing this in our uh, small space that we are, you know, uh, our small sphere of influence in Maryland and in Massachusetts, then we know, and we're hearing the voices of those people we're working with, and we're seeing the people come and work with us on our um, Real Talk Real Time with Chandra and Georgette, and the messages are continuing to be the same week after week. We have to be here. We have to be willing to take the risk and say what needs to be said. 
That's right. And we also need to bring others along with us. Right. Um, so those of those of us, if you want to speak, kind of are in or who have been around long enough, who, you know, not afraid, have tenure, whatever the deal is. Right. And have a platform. We have a responsibility to use that platform and then bring a lot others along with us. Right. To mentor some of these new folks who are coming in. And when I say new folks, I mean new to the profession, but it's also new to the building, because every time you change position, every time you change buildings, it's a new dynamic. And so we have the responsibility. I know I feel this all the time to bring, you know, teachers of color together and say, look at here, look at here. Let me explain to you the dynamics of how this place operates. Um, if you have a concern, you can bring it here and then let me show you how to address it. Right. And so we might actually sit down and model that conversation. We do that a lot in coaching. Right. I might go in. To you with that meeting. I'll go with you to that meeting. I will help you craft that email. We have to keep lifting our voices. We have to keep lifting our voices for ourselves. And let's be clear, advocating for our kids and families, because that is the other piece. What is going on in some other spaces and places are not happening in the same way in the districts in which we are working and we are trying to serve our kids and our families. So it's important that we speak up, we be heard, um, and that we, we are not going to be silenced. We're done with that. We're done with that. We also found that our brothers and sisters who are Caucasian also struggle with these kinds of things when they feel, you know, we've had people join us on Real Talk Real Time with Chandra Georgette and say, hey, we're white. We know that we feel bad when the district tries to censor a book that we know would speak to those students in our classrooms. What do we do? What do we say? And being able and being excited about week after week, people coming and feeling comfortable coming to us to have that conversation. Actually, we're just facilitating the conversation because we've created a space where we allow teachers to come in and support one another. We try to guide the conversation so that we can all win. But it's great to know that we can be these two black women that are not afraid to show our blackness and to welcome everybody that wants to be in the same place that we want. We want equity. We want justice. We want peace. We want to be heard. And so that's the beauty of what we're doing. And I'm really excited to be able to do it. Absolutely. Now, um, we are in, in in the South. We started back about three weeks ago. So our teachers have been back almost a month. Um, and what we've noticed is that COVID, this Delta variant, is tearing our schools up. It is hard for our administrators to keep up. It's hard for our teachers to keep up. Superintendents, I think, are stretched, uh, stressed. I can't stretched and stressed. Um, and we have state leaders who have just abdicated the role of managing this pandemic and who have just said schools figure it out. And then when you don't get it right, we're going to say that you're not doing it right. What are some of the things, how do you empower a teacher when this much civil unrest is going on? Now, keep in mind, cause I've said this numerous times. We're also, this is the COVID pandemic, but we're also fighting racism and we're also fighting misinformation. So this is a pandemic of three fronts. So how do you empower a teacher who's new to the building or new to the new to the profession to kind of fight back? Well, I think that it, it, it requires practice. You have to start by saying um, those, those regular day to day conversations, which is. You know, I know when you came in my room, you said we were going to be able to talk over my evaluation. It's been eight weeks and we haven't talked about evaluation. So you have to start that empowerment with just the regular day-to-day conversations. It can't be um, that you're... 
alone going to start with something like social justice and, um, and inequities that are going in the classroom. But you can make your voice heard by making sure that you're consistently communicating with your administration on the micro levels going on in your plug Ava's you have to know your this is a road case, so she you watch have to know who you're dealing with. Set it up. You set have that to up know on her TV. Where they come from and where they stand. You Take have to direction. know those colleagues in the building that maybe you could kind of bring together. Give him chase. He can do it. People are uncomfortable going it alone, but even in instances where we've probably all experienced, um, you know, the person that goes. I just want to let you know that happens at every school and it's not always for bad. Sometimes it's for good. It's almost like I see you. I see that that situation happened for you and I got your back. So maybe joining forces with other colleagues, maybe coming together and establishing uh, times where you get together and you talk and seeking mentorship. I feel like I'm all over the place, but all of these things are ways that you can approach empowerment because you can't you, to assume that you could do it alone is not the case. So you got to know your audience. And then I know Chandra's going to say something about finding your tribe because you got <laughs> you got to find your tribe. That's exactly where I was going. You have to find your tribe. There's no question about it. Right. Um, and so I, I just want to step back for a moment and say that those of us who are veteran teachers in the buildings and around empowering kind of new folks in the building, I think that we have to take the initial step forward. Right. We have to let them know. No, you're not crazy. You saw what you saw. You felt what you felt. You're right. That policy is off. Like we have to name it right for them and let them know they are not alone. You are not crazy. And let me give you some history behind it, because you also don't want them going off half cocked, right? If they don't have all the information that they need around a policy, a class, a family, whatever the case may be, you want them to be informed. You want them to speak from a place of like a real knowledge. Um, and they're only going to get that from folks who actually know it and, you know, have been around. And so it's our responsibility to make sure that we're having those conversations. I know, you know, way back in the day, I used to actually have those conversations in my house. I would invite new teachers, you know, new teachers of color into my house and sit them down and say, OK, so let me tell you how this works. Let me explain the inner circle to you. Let me explain the outer circles. Let me explain the informal. Right. Because they need to know how this how this whole place operates. You got to know your audience. You got to know your context. Right. It's really important. You got to know when to play checkers and when to play chess. And that's not always obvious. And so lots of times you'll see folks get caught up in stuff and you're like, they didn't have to get caught up in that or just completely withdraw. We don't want either. Right. And so it's our responsibility to make sure we're bringing those folks into the fold. Maybe it is that, you know, water cooler conversation that you need to have. Maybe it's bringing them to your house. Maybe Let's have lunch sometime together. Checking in on them after school and say, you know what, sis? In that meeting, I noticed your face did a little something, something. Were you confused about something? Or can I help you? Right? Like, be the first people to initiate those conversations for them. Right? Help them understand the environment and help them to move that next step towards empowerment. Right? Like, if they can go it alone, excellent. I got your back. If you, they need you to know, hold a hand a little bit, hold a hand and then move forward with them, right? Um, each one, teach one, you know, and then they will pass that on. And then we become generations of people who, in fact, are empowered, right? And the administration, first at the school level, but, you know, then at the district level and at your state level, who like to ignore us, can't ignore us if we are collaborating and working in power together. Numbers are powerful. There's no question about it. And voices are powerful. There's no question about that. The other thing that we have to empower um, our younger teachers to do 
empower your families. We all know families and districts are powerful, but families don't often realize how powerful they are, and that's on purpose. So if we don't explain to our families, right, how powerful they are and how to navigate the system, because let's be clear, the system has to be navigated. There are ways in which to get things done then we are doing a disservice to our kids and to our families. And we are cutting off a huge power source for movement and for voice at every level of our system. I like, I love that you said that around um, being informed when you speak up. Uh, When I left the classroom, there were a lot of things that I thought I knew that I did not. There were a lot of things that I thought I knew there were, because I was from the vantage point of a teacher. And unfortunately many times that is not the vantage point of decision making and me being in, in central office for a long time and working, I now have a lot more information. So I know what to do strategically. I just said this to somebody. I said, you know, you have these group of parents um, asking for this when actually you should be asking for this. It's just like asking for pencils. No, you should be asking for something like, triple the value of that like just just as an example and I think a lot of times as teachers we're not willing to hear that we feel as if and and that is strategic right you cannot I wish it was different but it's not decision making is not at the teacher level and if you think of things and it should be but if you think of things and you're like this should happen because this is what I why experience as a teacher that's a great vantage point but there's also the other side of that that you need to know and understand so that you can make a a well-informed decision and I think sometimes when we're talking about the movement and we're talking about empowerment we don't tell teachers that sometimes you need to do your homework you need to go speak to the person in the building who may seem very standoffish or angry it there's a reason they feel like that right there's a reason you need to go and hear their hear what they're saying and then you need to do some homework and i don't think that's stretched and stressed enough to our teachers because sometimes i get on social media and i hear things and i'm like that is just not going to work like people will say um no kid needs homework if your teacher get i'm like that's not true let that child have an AP class or an honors class and that child's about to go to college. They need to know how to do homework. They need to know how to study. So that, But when you're just from that vantage point of that in the classroom, it disables what, you, what the larger picture can be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 110%. You know, and I, I, I'm thinking about, you know, what you're saying about central office and, you know, being in different positions. And I've also had that luxury, right, of being assistant principal, being in central office. And so it's important that teachers know who's who in their building. It's also important for them to know who's who in the district, right? Like you need to know who is in what position of power and why, what they do, who to go to for what resource. So you you definitely need to do your homework. You definitely need to listen. There's no question about it. Um, and collecti- collectively and strategically figure out what you need to do when. Like, that's the chess game. That's the reality, right? Like, don't be on the checkers board when we're playing chess, right? Um, so that's important. And you have to know the politics, the politics of your school. You need to know the politics of your district. You need to go to politics of your state. Now, this is a place that I have stayed away from for a long time, right? Oh, teacher as policy, as pol- I don't like it at all. But you know what I have learned over the course of many, many years? Folk in policy create and implement policy. So you have to have more teachers at that level as well and who know 
who know how things get done in the political arena, because everything that happens in politics affects us in education. Uh, you know what? You just spoke a word because policy is key and there's not enough teachers in policy. And I just recently um, won a school board seat in my area. Policy. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. But but I tell people this policy drives everything. You want change. You change policy. You hollering about something you don't like doesn't matter unless you change the policy. And you got to get hip to the game. And what's happening is that you're getting a lot of these teacher prep programs that are maybe in schools for two, three years. They leave and go to policy because they understand that policy is what changes. Whereas we sit in the classroom and I say we, I mean, every other teacher, any other color, any other ethnicity. And we say, oh, I don't think I want to go into that. I'll just stay right here in the classroom. But then we complain for 25 years. I'm telling you, empowerment starts with policy. And until we get that, until we understand that, that's why we shifted the teacher self-care conference. We love to throw events, but we're shifting to policy. How do we get policy changed? And I think that for a lot of people, it is a struggle. I think that we also need black people to still be teachers. Mm. We need brown people to still be teachers. We need anyone that feels disenfranchised as a student to grow up and want to be a teacher. So there's that other piece that as black educators, I feel responsible to nurture. So that is why part of what I try to do is connect with those teachers as, you know, the only middle school resource teacher of color it's important when I come in and I'm, you know, at new teacher orientation and there's some black staff and there's some people of color, I make certain to go and speak to them because I want them to know, yes, I might be assigned at this one school, but if you ever need anything, you need a person to talk to, you can come talk to me. And so just as we have the desire and, and policy, I am all about it with you all. And, it was, and I was schooled by a person that came to train us in math black gentleman and he was getting his doctorate in educational policy and then he and I kind of vibed over lunch and talked and I was like we no one's telling us that on that form in central office to get graduate degrees it's always about teaching and learning and administration if we're serious about education we should also be trying to get our teachers into those policy programs and that's not happening so a twofold we need to be learned in policy and we need to be encouraging and inspiring our students to want to be future teachers so that our schools feel like places that look like the people that are in the seats, in the classroom. Yeah, I think you spoke a word. And I think that empowerment, um, self-care is a byproduct of empowerment. When you feel empowered, you feel like your self-care is met. And I think what we're seeing in, in and around education is that teachers don't feel like they have control because they, they don't have control because they don't understand policy well enough to change policy. And that leads to self-care just being an afterthought. So we're going into this school year and COVID is raging around us. What are some of the things that you tell um, people that you're coaching? What do you tell them around self-care, empowerment? Like, I know it starts with us, us initiating the conversations, but I guess, let me go back. What are some of the pitfalls that you see around self-care and empowerment from teachers? 
Like, what do you see where you're like, oh, I wish you wouldn't do that? Or, oh, somebody like I wish somebody had told them this. What are what are some of those things that you're like, you need to pause? I think there's some work to be done. Let's start from the giddy, giddy go, because all of us were told stuff like this is just how teaching is trial by fire. Oh, yep, you know, tell your friends you'll see him in June. Like all of that kind of stuff that we all came in with. It's all nonsense because we all know we came in with that. And by November, we were all dragging on the floor, exhausted, right? So let's start from the fact that we got to stop telling folks this foolishness, right? That it's okay to walk around like a zombie. That's the expectation of being a good teacher. Like it is the expectation that you're going to be here two hours before school starts and two hours after, and then do three hours of work on at home. Like that is the expectation. We have to stop frowning at people who actually pack up their stuff and leave on time, right? Like we have to change the entire narrative, change the entire narrative. We need to ask questions like, and I ask this of all all my teachers before I even start any conversation about instruction. What did you do good for yourself today? Not until the 10, they'll look at me like I'm crazy because nobody is asking that question. I asked the question of, so before you started teaching to our brand new teachers, what are the things that you love to do? Because I'm going to keep asking you if you're doing those things over the course of the academic year. And I'm going to encourage you to keep doing those things. I'm not going to tell you to put it on the back burner. I'm not. Because it is going to be doing those things that is going to be able to feed your soul and give you the fuel to do what you need to do in class every single day. You don't get to tell teachers, and we need to stop telling teachers, that they need to leave so much of who they are right before they walk into the door and decide, I'm a new teacher, but I got to leave all of my person out there. And my entire identity now is that of a teacher. And I need to live, breathe, sleep this thing 24 hours a day. Because you know what that leads to? Burnout. I don't know about your first year. Actually, yes, I do. Because your first year probably looked just like mine. It was horrible. It was horrible. And one of the reasons why I am I am such a proponent of teacher self-care and I am all over coaching new teachers is because I never want anyone to have the initial years that I had. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So we have to begin with changing the narrative and begin to let new teachers know it's okay. Go on home. It's okay because the work is going to be there. The work is going to, and no matter how hard you work, there's still going to be more work. Right. There's no question about that. So it starts with changing the narrative. It starts with going. That's right. Go on home. Stopping by their classroom and let them know it's okay to go. We have to change that narrative for them because there's going to be loads of people going to tell them the same foolishness that they told us. And we know where that leads. It's not a good thing. Uh, Amen. Amen. (laughs) Georgia, I think. Hallelujah. (laughs) So and and so that that is so needed because I see people in classrooms staying at six, seven o'clock every night. And I'm like, girl, that work will be here when you get back. You better prioritize and execute and and develop some management skills so that you don't have to do that every because it's not it's not realistic and it doesn't serve anybody. What are some things that you see, um, Georgette, that you would say, like, people, let's stop doing this immediately? I'll say two things. Um, One, give yourself grace. You know, you're, 
you, you as a new teacher, you as an experienced teacher, you even as a person, let's not forget those who are within two years of retiring, who have toothpicks over their eyes just trying to make it because they counted every single day of that school year. And their, their aura is even starting to spew, I'm sick of y'all, I'm sick of this place, and, and I'm ready to go. So it's to all of us. Give yourself some grace to take your time and make good decisions for yourself in your classroom. There are times that we are even told to do things that might be the standard, you know, um, everybody line all the kids up, start in the classroom and go in the hall. You can make those edits. No one is, you know, we used to tell the teachers during the pandemic when we were doing real talk, real time, the superintendent is not going to even knock on the door at your house to correct whatever you just said. You have to make education and teaching your own. So if you're in an environment where you feel like you might need to tell a principal or something, uh, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, or sometimes as people say, keep doing it. And if it's successful, they won't even recognize that you're not really doing what they asked you to do. But give yourself grace. Give yourself grace to uh, not get everything done on that day. Give yourself grace that you don't, um, your class doesn't sound as quiet or as engaged as the class next door. And also give yourself um, the realization that people are all doing what they know, okay? You're doing what you know. They're doing what they know. And so try to look. This is a way to kind of protect your heart. Look at people doing the best that they can. So if uh, you had a, a conflict with a colleague two years ago, we back in the pandemic, and if your expectation is that there's still a conflict, there will be a conflict. Assume that that person has also grown, transitioned, might be in a new place. The, the um, COVID-19 might have impacted them differently. Think of giving yourself grace and also think of the best intentions of people. The last thing that I would say is that you get to choose. You get to choose what's being told to you and how you receive it. I remember I was going um, to a new school and someone was explaining to me that I may not um, particularly like a certain administrator at that school. And they were saying, she's going to tell you this and she's going to tell you that. And I was like, she's not going to tell me that. And she was like, no, she's going to tell you that. I said, no, she might be speaking towards me, but she's not going to be telling me that. Those words will fall right at my feet. I don't receive that kind of stuff. So you are in control of what you receive. You might hear it, but it's up to you whether you receive it. You also get to choose who you surround yourself. Now, you can't control the administration and your team leader, your department chair, but you can control where you have lunch and with whom you have lunch with. You can control who you give your cell phone number to. You can control whether you attach that school email to your personal phone. Every decision that you make is about empowerment because they don't pay your cell phone bill. So if you're deciding to put that email on your phone and then you say, my weekend was ruined because, and I just look at them and I say, well, what do you think you would do to change? Oh, I'm not really sure. Take that email off your phone. Leave that on the work computer. You've been issued one. So that's what I would say. You get to choose. And please give yourself grace and think of people's efforts as their best intentions. Yeah, everything, you know, it took me a while to realize this, but every dig, every cut in education that you feel, it's not about you. And I think that's something that we got to talk about because people, teachers get very, 
get very, very, very personal with things that happen. And sometimes it's personal, right? Sometimes it is definitely that person targeted you. But most times it has nothing to do with you. It's what that other person is dealing with. And hence, I think that everything, I don't take it personally. I don't say that person didn't speak to me. They, they dislike me. They didn't speak to me because they didn't have to. Okay. I, and, and I think that some of our self-care is that we put too much focus on what other people are doing and not enough of what we are doing. Am I wrong or did, did, have I not read the room right? <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because one of the things I was going to say is don't compare yourself to others, right? So it's that whole it's that whole thing of, you know, what other people think of you is none of your business, right? Like you need to do your thing um, and you need to know that their journey is their journey. You know, when they blow past you in the morning and haven't said anything, you have no idea what happened to them five seconds ago, an hour ago, maybe a week ago. Who knows? That's their stuff. Don't take that on. Don't take that on. And I know that oftentimes we do because teaching feels so personal, right? We give so much of ourselves. You know, it's a service industry, all that. That is that is also true. But you know what? Let's be straight. It's also a job. It's also a job with all the dynamics of a job, right? So don't assume that that person has something against you. First of all, if it really bothers you, ask a question. Ask a question. Don't just hold on to it. And, uh, ask a question. And if you can let it go, let it go and keep it moving because there is way too much going on in your life and we are all way too busy to be holding on to all this foolishness. We don't have time for it. We do not have time for it. And in that same vein, as I, I, do not compare yourself to other people. That's the other thing that I want to add. Whether you are a novice or a veteran, That's do right. not do it to yourself. You do not know their journey. Even when evaluators will do this, and this makes me a little bonkers as a new teacher developer, right? They are evaluated against the same rubric, our novice po- folks, as our veteran folks. Well, that's not right. That's, that's ridiculous. It's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. You, you do the best you can with what you have every single day. You do a great job. You know, the great job is the great against yourself, not against the person down the hall, not even against the other new teacher. Their journey is their journey. Yours is yours. Keep it that way. And I love that. And I think that that is something that we all have to remember. Now, you guys have been in education a long time. Um, and one of the things collectively, um, one of the things that I have to know is looking back at your careers, what would be the one thing that you feel like you would change um, around empowerment and self-care and why? I know. I used to bring that bag home full of math papers to grade. My children will tell stories of how I would distribute them. I'd be like, all you got to do is just check. Here's the key. Just put the check marks, you know. So I spent a lot of time bringing work home and then trying to disseminate it among my family and my husband's like, please, I remember when I was no longer in the classroom. He was like, please don't go. I know you love teaching. Please don't go back. You know, that I scarred my own family over trying to do my job. A, a, a physician does not bring home the scalpel and the, 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 the patients and have the people try to help them. But our jobs, I had to learn to leave that at school as much as possible. What I try to do is just bring home things that I could do either watching TV or things I'm going to set aside two hours on Saturday, set aside two hours on Sunday. I try to do that because what I found is I enjoy my work better. 
I'm better off saying I'm going to stay late two or three nights a week at the school, get it done. I'm focused. And then when I come home, I am with my family. I am doing real talk, real time. I am preparing for choir rehearsal at church. I, I am not, Chandra always says that how everyone's trying to talk about teachers or superheroes. I'm not a superhero. So I'm not going to try to pretend I'm going to have those powers come on home with me. And I'm going to, no, I had to learn that I have to, it's not so much compartmentalized, but I have to be focused on what is before me. So if I want to do work and I want that to be well, I need to maybe stay at work later, a couple of days to get and focus on that. And then when, if whatever I bring home, I'm willing to do it. And if I don't get it done, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. I beat myself up many an evening. Oh my God, I still have more things to do. No more. You know, I really wish that someone would have told me back in the day to pay more attention to everything that was going on around me, right? So when you first get into the profession, you are so unbelievably focused on your classroom and everything that's going on. And I get that. But you need to pay attention to everything that is going on around you because everything around you affects what's going on in the classroom. I did not realize how important it was to know what those folks on those committees were doing. Mm-hmm. I might not need to go to the committee meeting, mm-hmm. but I need to read those notes, right? I need to know the notes that are coming out of the ILT. That's important. I need to read all of those daggone bulletins and superintendent circulars and all that stuff that you know you don't read. You need to pay attention to those. You need to carve out some time to read all of that stuff. That's how you're going to know what's going on in the district, what's affecting the school, what's coming down. That's how you're going to stay informed over the course of not only the year, but your career. That information is important. There's no question about it. And that's how things don't just happen to you, right? Because all the, Where did that come from? Because you weren't paying attention. And it's your responsibility to pay attention nobody else's responsibility. You're in charge of paying attention, keeping on top of stuff, and your own professional development. Your responsibility, your growth, your professional development is your responsibility. Pay attention, be calculated about the things that you need, right, to get the knowledge and stay on top of things so that you really know what's going on. Stay informed. I love it. You got ladies are awesome. You're doing great work. Can we talk a little bit about your weekly show? Where can people find you? Um, what are some of the topics that you talk about? All those great things. So I'll let Chandra talk about our show, but we uh, individually are on Instagram. I'm at Coach G Live on IG. Chandra, where are you? Chandra underscore Joseph Lissette on IG. And we have a Real Talk, Real Time Educators Forum group on Facebook. So we invite people to join our forum. Um, We have educators from across the country and parts of the world. We're thrilled about that. And we also have a YouTube channel, Real Talk, Real Time Educators Forum, where when we have our live events, we'll post those. We'll post our inspirational messages. And so that's growing and thriving. And we hope you join us there as well. Thank and you. I'm so excited. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so excited to talk about our weekly show that we host actually on Zoom, open to anyone, anytime, completely free. We actually started at the beginning of the pandemic and we started in March of 2020 with this crazy idea. Hmm. 
maybe we should have a place where teachers could talk to teachers about what's going on. There's an idea, teachers supporting teachers. And we put out some flyers and folks have been faithfully coming ever since across the United States. People show up, public school, private schools, small schools, suburban schools, urban schools. It's been amazing, absolutely amazing. And you know what we found? No matter where we are, no matter where you're teaching, so much of what we have been experiencing is exactly the same. So it's amazing support network, you know, that's developed among teachers. Um, and we have a protocol that we go through, but mainly it's a space to kind of say, so here's what's going on with me. And do you have any ideas about, and here's something that I'm working on. Where can I find some kind of next steps and kind of work through um, some of the challenges that we are experiencing every single day in teaching and learning, and definitely as teaching and learning seems to be changing and pivoting so often. So we have an amazing community. We hope folks will, you know, jump on and join us. Definitely check us out on Facebook. You'll find out, you know, when our next dates are, um, and we'd love to have you. We're also working on a class to kind of, I should say a course, to uh, not so much replicate because we love the live experience that we have, but to try to offer those that want something a little bit more long-term in working with um, Chandra and I. So that's in the coming weeks and months. So we just want to put that out there too. But um, it, it is exciting work to do and we're, we're committed to it. I love it. Thank you, ladies, for being here. And thank you for letting us talk about self-care and empowerment. And guys, remember, you know, as we're on this journey, um, we're going to look back five years from now and there's going to be some breakthroughs that we had. Um, but I'm just thankful for all the women, all the people who come on this show weekly and talk about self-care, talk about empowerment um, and just help us as we push through to what we what the unexpected is. Before we go, fun question. If COVID wasn't happening, what would you be doing right now? You know, I'm, if COVID wasn't happening and given that it's a long weekend, I know that I would be away somewhere. I would be away somewhere feeling comfortable, no mask, probably sitting on the beach, probably on the vineyard, <laughs> ready to kick off our school year because we start next week. Well, I will say that I've actually been blessed in the pandemic in appreciating what I have right here, my home. And so, you know, my patio is comforting to me and my yard. And I just picked up the hot dogs and the hamburgers before we got on. And so I probably would be doing what I'm going to do, play some lawn games and barbecue and hang out with my family and my neighbors. Um, but, but. We're hoping the pandemic is at a stay because Chandra and I are proud members of Sigma Gamma Rose Sorority Incorporated and we have our centennial coming up and we don't want that to get canceled. So that's what I'll be doing this weekend and that's what we hope to do in 2022. Absolutely. Happy centennial, ladies. Guys, have a great evening and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. It was great.